Hello and welcome back to another episode. I am uh, very happy to join you, but I've, um, I'll be honest with you, I, I've had a bit of a stressful week. It's not been stressed like in the typical sense of, oh shit, I'm going to wake up stressful. But, um, well, last week I played a, I, th- I think I've told you on this, uh, on this on this on this podcast about how uh, I used to play golf when I was younger kind of loved the sport uh, for what it is and what it was back then just to go out in the field and on the course rather than say field because I'm like a fucking peasant but um, I, I stopped uh, maybe 10 years back because I couldn't see the ball and you know that kind of helps when you're playing golf but Last year, I told you that there's this concept called blind golf, which is based on golf with a few exceptions and accommodations and how a few people um, uh, are collaborating to bring it Bangalore and India as a result, uh, eventually. Uh, But last week was a tournament and I decided to play because I've been on the range for almost a year and just been hitting the ball, whacking it and kind of having this notion that I'm there and I'm ready and my biggest focus behind that was to get to a place on the course where I know what my swing can do and how much of it is swing error and how much of it is positions and the terrain and the undulations and I thought I was there I thought I was making good contact but everything um, has a a sense of what the reality is because uh the first attempt I made to kind of simulate the course was a few months back when I took it off the driving range mat to the turf and that just sort of shook me up because I was like, oh shit, because even a few centimeters, I'm going on about these details because it makes a difference. I know most of you are like, what the fuck is he on about? But I'll tell you why, because just a couple of centimeters of the ball on the mat is forgiving or even an inch off is forgiving because you kind of bounce off. But when you're on the turf, it just digs in and next thing you have this gash of soil spraying in your face. Uh, so I made an effort to kind of get that and I realized I needed some more inputs and help. So I went to this other person who was helping me figure out how to kind of align my body. As a result, the swing kind of naturally takes its shape and contact is assured. That way it takes out the mat problem and that way grass is fine. Now, this led me to this would it say a false sense of confidence? Mm, I thought it wasn't because as as early as the previous Saturday, I was making really good contact. Now I thought, okay, let me just do one uh, more session on the range before I get to the course. So that way I can fine tune my game and that way I can nail it and I can come out winning. Eh, not even winning, but I can come out um, at least not feeling miserable. And I went to the range and it was just miserable because I was just hitting the ball uh few inches behind that was turf flying and I was like oh god just shattered everything that I'd built up for myself and I was like okay you know what I'm going to go early the next morning the, I was supposed to tee off at about seven I went at 5 30 to the range and I started hitting and I okay I got my I was loose and I was confident and then I go to the first tee and the people are like oh yeah he's the first blind golfer and, and all those things and they were like photographers and there were people going you can do. and then I hit a wood a three wood if you're familiar with golf and I just Oh, behind the ball and it was just turf and that feeling was like oh man it's I've had feelings like that in different situations but I think the reason I mentioned that entire build up is because a lot of it was the pressure I put on myself because I felt my back and I played the round end up going uh, through the motions 
sitting on a buggy by doing the 18 holes it was miserable it was absolutely confidence shattering and all disheartening because of all that practice i put in and i kind of felt like crap for like a few days after but then i've just realized now and the reason i'm talking about it is the stress that my body has held on to since that day is slowly now getting out of there and it's fucking scary what that thing can do because it locks you up and i realized that one of the biggest things that happened then was not of course the various other things you can attribute it to which is the terrain you have no i had no clue where i was walking and as a result people start giving you tips they're like oh you have to take a left here you have to take a right there they're like pulling you by your arm then someone's like watch out then you have all, an entire new world of things to be aware of than you are on the range and then the moment you start hitting it badly you open yourself up to more uh feedback where people are like you're starting to close you're starting to fire your mom is really uh, a nice person and your sister's hot like what exactly and then these things happen and they build up and then you forget about it. and all the things that i wanted to be confident about so i can reduce the margin of inputs and reduce the elements that people can comment on all the things just sort of went out of the window if you want to call it went down the fucking first hole and i was just a mess internally didn't really show it which i was uh, happy about it and start weeping and you know doing all those things which you're supposed to do and get it captured on tiktok or instagram and get the people who are inspired be like his first shot was shit but his tears are real and i didn't fucking do that and if i'm jerked off in the first hazard no i didn't do that either because i would yeah i would have missed again and that would have been really disheartening because that's one stroke i'm confident about um but it's yeah it's one of those feelings where i'm um rebuilding this evaluation and how that particular day and the particular approach to that day was not the best and it wasn't something that i should have put so much pressure on myself to do and also uh, it, it's the other th- narrative right like where i didn't want to come across as oh he's blind even if he can pick up the golf club he's an inspiration i didn't want that fucking narrative either but it's about managing what uh i should have done better which was take it slow like how i approached the range i went slow i went with a a day to day and 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 a session to session and if i could make contact and better contact by percentage small percentage is i would be really happy with myself and not expect day 1 to be zero day to, to session 1 to be zero session 2 to be 100 and session 3 to be the best of my game but that's what i kind of uh went with when i went to the course to play this tournament and um yeah i got a proper slap in the face mate from the fucking game of golf and it felt absolutely absolutely brutal uh, but i'm much better for it today and that's why I'm able to talk about it and the reason I shared that story with you about the game of golf which most of you probably don't give a shit about is because it's something that you can remind yourself about anything that you take too seriously and anything you want to sort of accomplish with flying colors and you don't realize that the reality of it is very very different from the isol- the isolation that uh, encourages you to encourage isolation like say in the range that encourages you to be- encourages you to believe this boy having a tough one to encourage encourages you to believe that you are at a position or at a uh, situation in the learning process that uh, you aren't really at because there is a big difference between certain uh, things when they are viewed without the larger picture i don't know if that makes any sense but if it does i'm glad and speaking of things that you apply in your life and how you can use those to kind of gauge what's important and what's not and where you are in your scheme of things as a human being i've got a lovely guest and 
That guest's name is Mr. Nico Steufberg. He's from Switzerland, the Switzerland, the Switzerland, Switzerland, of course. And he has did something really interesting for himself, which was give up consuming things that he believed he did not need. Of course, besides essentials and besides food, he went off shopping for a year. And not off shopping, like on a shopping spree, but he went off the idea of buying and getting things and packing his wardrobe with stuff and getting stuff online and uh, getting one more of the same or getting things he needs. And we talk about how that mindset shifted and how the, the idea of not buying and consuming influenced the way he looked at himself and his surroundings and the way he had lived and how he wanted to live and how the process was, how it shifted his sense of experiencing the world around him and what uh, he has become as a result. He's um, had a very interesting journey and he's going to share that with, uh, he shared it with me and I'm going to share it with you only here on the Soapy Rao Show. As always, thank you for joining me till the next episode. Goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourselves. Cheers and catch you on the other side with the man who didn't buy anything for a year and uh, yeah, Mr. Nico Seufberg. Mr. Nico Stoifberg, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Sandy. I'm really, really, it's really exciting to be invited to do this. Thank you so much. Now, it's my pleasure having you on. And, uh, you know, uh, before we get to what decisions you took and why you took them, for people who haven't had the pleasure of watching your talk or following your work, maybe uh, can you give them a sense of what you do? Uh, do and also what you did with your time and your life and the decisions you took uh, before you took certain more important decisions. <laughs> before you mean before I decided to to stop buying stuff like when that yeah was, so maybe yeah. a sense of what um, you did with your time and with uh, what you did with work and how you sort of led your life before you took that big decision. Yeah, I I I let I let a I would say I led a very normal Swiss life. I'm in Switzerland here, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, which means automatically means a very lux- lux- luxurious life. I would mm-hmm. say, uh, even even if you're uh, like a regular guy like me, it's just uh, we're just surrounded by everything you could possibly ever want, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and. Yeah, that that just leads to excesses without you even noticing it. It's just uh, it, it's just crazy the amount of stuff that we have available. Everything's available twenty four seven, and I was like everybody here. I'm just used to that. I grew up like that. I'm used to it. And uh, it took a holiday, um, uh, a visit to Bali a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, where I was shocked by. Uh, like you know, Bali, not sure whether you've been to Bali. It's probably not 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 too different from some parts of India, I, I reckon. And you know, surprisingly, <clears throat> you say that. Like uh, you know, I want to just interrupt you for a moment there because yeah. I've had the you know the, the, a chance to visit both Switzerland and Bali. And you know, Switzerland, uh, from what I remember, uh, you know, it's not it's not exactly like um, you know, say someone would say it's a country of excesses, like say 
people typically would uh, refer to America as, right? Like the portions yeah. of food that they uh, serve or even like the outlet <laughs> yeah. malls. Everything doesn't, like it seems a lot more excessive in the US when it comes to the size of the cars. Or, yeah. But it's all, I've always felt uh, Switzerland, especially as someone from India, is a country which is a little bit more reserved, whether it's with... Um, the way they kind of are seen to live, it's, it, it doesn't seem as, of course, you have a lot of rich people. I and mean, you look at Zurich, you look at the banking hub, you look at the hub for the watches and the luxury brands, of course. But I just feel um, it, it's, it seems a lot less extravagant in some sense. Um, or when I say extravagant, I mean with the way wealth is flaunted. Uh, than some of the examples you hear from the US. Um, and also when, when you mentioned Bali, yes, that's another extreme. We do have a lot of pollution and a lot of uh, garbage. Yes, we do in India. But for me, when I visited Semniak, which is the island in Bali, and we went to one of those yeah. beaches, it was yeah. appalling the number of plastic bags. It wasn't like a Absolutely. beach at all. So, and that was exactly my experience. We were walking right. along the shoreline there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the whole just the whole sea like as far as you could see was just covered covered in plastic and yeah. and uh, and that was really that really came as a shock to me especially because i i'm not sure whether i'm right there but i thought much of that stuff probably wasn't thrown out into the sea by by the people of bali and um, mm. but it probably came from all corners of the world and just washed up there um, and i realized yeah. that we are producing that stuff and and it's just uh yeah it's it, it's just total madness and that's actually that site that experience when i came back to switzerland mm-hmm. uh, made me maybe want to change something in in my personal lifestyle right so so just, just I, was, for I was never i was never i have to probably have to add that i was never a, um like an excessive buyer of stuff i was i'm, I'm not a, sh- a shopaholic not at all yeah. i wasn't i wasn't before and i'm not now obviously but but uh, um, yeah, but still, I felt that I had to I had to change, change yeah. something. For for instance, you know, there was this one thing that I I shortly before actually before that uh, before that holiday, mm. I I bought the coat, and this this may be a tiny little example, but I bought the coat, the new coat, yeah, and um, and that coat was available in two colors, and I remember that one of them was called slate gray, <laughs> and the other one was called mud. <laughs> And uh, and I couldn't decide which one to buy, so I decided to just buy both, you know. Mm. And then I had the same coat twice, and uh, sometimes I wore number one, and the other times number two, and it was just it's just silly because they were basically the same. You know, that's such an interesting problem to have uh, because in today's day and age, I'm going to give you a little example of India because. Earlier, yeah. India was never seen as a country which was prosperous. People didn't have the luxury of buying things. But now over the past 5-10 years, of course, we do have a lot of poverty and that is unfortunate. A lot of people don't have the, a chance to get all their meals in. And yes, that, that, that there is a big percentage that is suffering under that issue. But there has been a huge trend of a stronger population middle class that has emerged over the past 10 years which has been of course being trying uh, you know big companies trying to mine that market you know be it the amazons mm-hmm. or the uh, web be it the apples or be it the car companies and even now luxury brands are coming in and you know you have this crazy kind of um, sense of 
trying to get these people into consumers, right? Like you have the, the, yeah. the deals and the sales and the and, and all those kind of patterns which you are talking about uh, coming here and with the vengeance that uh, marketing people want to exploit because the numbers that Switzerland has or Belgium has is times 10 when it comes to India. So even if it's cheaper stuff, you get it times 100, like 100 million, 500 million. These are numbers that they just is a dream come true for companies. But, um, yeah. you know, what's interesting is this, this entire thing. My wife and I were talking about this. So when I watched your talk, it really sort of caught my attention because I wouldn't call myself a conservative person when it comes to shopping. I do have these weak moments, especially now, you know, I, I got back to playing golf after many years. So I suddenly, I get an email from this website. It's like, oh, shorts on sale or trousers on sale or shoes on sale. I'm like, I don't need it. You know, like the, the bigger part of me is like, oh, you don't need something like that. Let's not pollute the planet. And But having said that, I, I can't always have that image of that plastic filled beach uh, mm -hmm. or the dolphin choking on plastic. It doesn't hit you because you're so distanced from it so you're yeah. like yeah what will it hurt if i get another pair of trousers and i look good in them and you make these justifications which let you go onto the website and next thing you know it's come in the mail this three pairs of trousers which you got for beautiful steel and you can't decide whether you want it in slate or in sandstone or in black <laughs> so you get all three and it comes in this big box covered in plastic and the next thing you feel guilty about why you bought it so this is, of course, someone like me who's aware of it still makes those decisions and someone like you who decided to take that step. So now 99% of people who are shopping don't even have that thought. And of course, I don't speak for everyone, but that thought uh, is is so unconscious. You're just like, yeah, it's a sailor. Let me buy it. But okay, I'm sorry. I've just gone on on a point for a little long, but I want to yeah. ask you, what is the first step from seeing that plastic to coming back home to Switzerland, to looking at your surroundings. And you said you're not a person of excesses, but you still mm -hmm. are a part of the grid. And as a result, you end up making choices that aren't always sometimes uh, the most conscious when it comes to environmental impact. But where do you start when it comes to taking the first step with a journey like what you have done? Well, what actually helped at that point was uh, we were also, uh, my girlfriend and I, who my girlfriend was with me on Bali back then, uh -huh. and uh, and we had to uh, we were moving to no, to a new apartment at the same time, mm -hmm. and whenever you do that, um, you have to you kind of well you don't have to but you're it's a good moment to throw stuff away yeah and yeah. Uh, and you know and then you realize then you're automatically asking all those questions do I still need this do I still want this mm -hmm. and it was also funnily enough I think it was around the same time that um. Marie Kondo, you'll you'll be familiar with her, mm -hmm. um, the, the Japanese author who wrote this book. I think it's called the the Art of Tidying or something like that. Mm, and she asks this. Yes. She has she has her own uh, show and everything. And she asks that question: Does this spark joy? And if the answer is no, <laughs> she yeah. throws it away. And uh, um, and so that's that's her method. And uh, yeah, I just realized how how little of each thing you really need, and and um, um, and that later on also led me to uh, a new rule which I've been following ever since, which is that uh, whenever I buy, I, whenever I do buy something new, it has to replace something old, um, ah. something that either um, uh, something that is either broken or just used up. So I'm not, I'm, I don't allow myself to buy something if it doesn't replace something. Or fills a gap that is just clearly um, uh, needs to be filled. 
You know, the problem with that is I do the same thing. It's just that I give away stuff because I want to buy new stuff, even though the oh, stuff yeah. doesn't. <laughs> you just you do, you donate it. Yeah, because it's easy to just say, oh, you know, I've done a good thing. I've given someone who didn't have uh, a pair of shoes a pair of shoes. Well, but those is. shoes technically didn't have to be given away because they're still very good shoes. But that, that's true, yeah. But, that, yeah. but obviously, that's still, that's still much preferable than just hoarding them yourself. So that's still... a you know, oh, I still do that as well. You know, I mean, in no means am I do I have a clear slate in this conversation because just before <laughs> we got on this chat, I ordered a bunch of <laughs> stuff, which is not really uh, something I'm proud of. But yeah. uh, I want to understand what that feeling is for you or was for you when you say, you know, you gave the example of the brown and the, the mud coat, the mud color and the slate color. Yeah. But what did... Um, I mean, you, you also mentioned uh, that you live in Switzerland, you love skiing, and there is a lot of brands that cater to high-end uh, fashion when it comes to skiing, right? Be it uh, North Face or Patagonia with, with all these things. Um, so what, what was the uh, approach to getting equipping yourself for outdoor gear or for the winter or for the, for the festive season? How, how is... Um, I would say you and maybe even your friends and the circle you hang out with, is it, uh, h how do you look at shopping when it comes to, is it like Thanksgiving sale where you just go Black Friday kind of thing or is it more conservative? So could you just give me a sense of what yeah. that was? Yeah, well, that, that's re it's really funny that you should mention the skiing because right after this interview, when we're done here, um, I'll go actually to uh, Zermatt, which is up in the mountains, mm. um, to test skis because I need new skis. I ah. definitely do need new skis now because right. my old ones are really, and that's uh, trying to answer your question. Mm -hmm. um, I, ski, I'm really an avid skier and, mm -hmm. um, and I spend quite a bit of, if I do buy skis, but they tend to be good ones. Yeah. So I really, uh, um, I spend a lot of money on that hobby. Uh, it's my favorite thing to do. So I really do spend a lot of money on it. But I have had those skis that I that I now can no longer use because they, you can't really the um, you know the edges are just gone. You can't right. can't ski on them anymore. Um, I did use them for I think six years now mm. because I ski a lot. That was the time that they that it took to to bring them to uh, you know to their deathbed, so to say. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, um, and and now I need new ones. But instead of um, I knew I could. I, I could afford more than one pair of skis if I wanted to. Yeah. And I have lots of friends who, who, who have more than one pair. But what I'll do now over this coming weekend is I'll go to Sermot and I'll test, uh, I'll test skis there. Mm -hmm. And I think this is maybe relevant to mention because um, after that weekend, I'll decide which ones to buy. Um, but the testing itself, which is a luxury, I mean, going to Sermat to test skis, I mean, how, how many people on, on, on earth can, can even yeah. afford that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm totally aware of that. But what I'm, I, so what I do there is I, I'm spending my money on, on, uh, on a service, so to say, you know, the, the sports vendor that, that lets me test those skis, I'll, I'll give my money to them and I spend my money on a service rather than just on new products mm. and i think that's a, that there's a difference there because uh, i think it makes m a lot more sense to to uh to increase or grow our economy even or, or spend money on services rather than goods that makes a huge difference because there's not there's nothing much to throw away after a weekend of skiing 
Um, yeah. yeah. But that I think that's an, it's an interesting point you raised there. No, I, I try to I try to understand this right because my wife uh, runs a an e-commerce platform where she's tra- you know she promotes um, designers who are based in India and also outside India. But the main the primary thing is that they're sustainable and they have ethical practices uh, because it's almost like an anti-movement to the fast fashion brands like H and M, Zara, uh, Banana Republic, Gap, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I just I was very keen to talk to you because I want to understand this, um, the power that you feel when you buy something. Um, Because of course, the first pair of jeans gives you a lot of pleasure, but the 10th pair doesn't give you as much. So you try to fill that void with everything which you buy, right? The first pair of shoes. I I still remember uh, in 1989 or 90, I remember my granddad traveling to the US and then getting me my first pair of Nikes. I know that in itself is quite a privilege, but it gave me immense, like he'd called up and, you know, back then calling, you know, international was a big deal itself, right? You call and there's a delay and it's expensive. And he said, I've got you a pair of Nikes and I couldn't sleep for two days. I was like, oh, when is this old man going to come back and get me my Nikes? And it gave me so much pleasure. But now I just go on any website and I pick up and I know um, from then you know, the 90s India to now I can afford five pairs of Nikes without a blink of an eye, right? Um, but it doesn't give you, uh, as you said, it, if it serves a purpose, like I, I, as I said, I've, I've gotten back to golf. And for me, sometimes I have to remind myself going, it's not about the club making your game better, or in your case, the skis making your skiing yeah. better, but sometimes you do need good equipment. But once you get the good equipment, I feel it's almost like a distraction sometimes going, you know, my my swing's not in place. Let me just get a new driver. It's not going to make my game better. But what what I find fascinating is whether you're an aware human being or an unaware human being when it comes to consumer habits, it's so easy in today's day and age to be kind of convinced without too much conviction to go ahead and buy something. So what, what is your approach to that mentality of choosing a service or an experience and how important is that for someone listening right now to think of it when they're making that decision to buy something mm-hmm. well i think what what really matters is that what, what i did through that year when i when i really stopped buying stuff uh, for a year and by the way i back then i did a I had basically two rules. I I didn't buy anything anymore, with two exceptions. I didn't allow myself to 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 die. Yeah. So so I could still <laughs> buy food, which is which is uh, which is helpful if you don't want to die. And uh, and the other thing was I wasn't allowed to st- to start stinking. So I was still buying yeah. soap and, and shampoo and those kinds of things. Right. And, and these were the two rules. But what I also did is um, I tried to reframe. Um, the way that I that I looked at at offers, you know, we're we're constantly bombarded by offers from all sides. Yeah, you know, you walk down the street and you see things left and right constantly, and you're online and and you're bombarded with stuff too that you could potentially buy. And I tried treating those offers as basically as a tax on on my integrity. So somebody wants to sell me something that I don't really need. So if I, I can say no to that, that's actually like a yes for me. That's a victory. Um, mm. And once you're in that mind frame, once uh, you you you're you're 
you're like walking the streets in constant triumph. I say no to this, yes. I say no to that, yes. And and you're kind of yeah, you're you're in constant triumph, so to say. And if you can reframe it that way, and um, that makes it makes it much makes it much more more easy to say to to, to say no after all. And if you occasionally do buy something, um, like like the skis that I'll probably buy after this weekend, um, that makes it very exciting because then it really, you know, you thought about it a lot, you 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 thought about it carefully, and then you decide, okay, I'm now going to make this purchase, and that's a that can be exciting. Whereas if you do it constantly, um, if you do it to distract yourself. Um, from maybe I think you talked about this a lot in, in in other podcasts also about you know us not being possible to really um, understand ourselves or or spend time with ourselves so to say in, in without without constantly being distracted by this or that and I think the psycho the psychology behind behind buying a lot of stuff has a lot to do with that we 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 can't stand the that situation where we're just on our own, faced with our own reality, with our own thoughts, with our own destiny, and and have to kind of are, are forced to 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 ponder on that. Mm. And uh, we, I think we use we use the the act of buying to distract ourselves from that constantly. You know, it's it's like a it's like a small dose of sugar. Like if you constantly eat something sweet just to 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 keep your system uh, uh, running. Um, but it's not healthy in the long term. It's much healthier to have one good meal and then eat nothing for a couple of hours until you do again. That's very interesting. You mentioned that, you know, because this, this, uh, the, the, I mean, the idea of buying and shopping is mm -hmm. sort of an extension of the way you live, uh, and we're kind of focusing on that particular aspect of um, spending money. But I think it can also be extended to other excesses right whether it's alcohol cigarettes and even food uh people don't talk about food in that sense they're like oh no no people who drink are uh, bad people or people who drink too many glasses of wine or too many beers they're bad people or people who smoke they're bad but there's this a uh, label attached or there's a stigma attached to certain things which are oh these set of things are bad and these set of things are not bad but mm -hmm. uh, shopping isn't seen as bad or unless of course you spend your all your money uh, and you're broke because you want to get those handbags or whatever, right? Yeah. But uh, other than that, it's kind of encouraged. Like how, so, and I find that fascinating uh, when you spend money on food or on sweets. And of course, I'm not making a general rule for everyone, but for the most part, there is a set of things on the left side, say, which are good things to spend your money on. And in fact, yeah. you're manipulated into, into believing that if you have that new pair of shoes you'll fit in with your classmates or with your colleagues if you get the nice hugo boss suit uh, or say for instance if you get this kind of food uh, you get the right things in your fridge you're seen to buy whole uh, fresh produce or organic meat or your you know whatever it may be but if you spend your money on other things like gambling or alcohol or drugs it's seen as a bad thing but essentially it's the same part of the brain uh, that is indulging in this activity. And what you mentioned is fewer is better because now, for instance, I eat one meal a day. I eat in a four-hour window and I enjoy looking forward to that meal. I enjoy that particular meal. And I also am more sensitive to my taste because just like shopping, I was just 
unnecessarily eating three meals a day in if you want to draw yeah. that parallel and you become numb to the feeling of what that does to you and yes I'm, you know and that's a very interesting thing that you mentioned because yeah otherwise you're just even with shopping right i'd end up doing it when i'm either hungover or i'm really sort of not able to put my mind at peace with itself or engaged in an activity like i'm not going to sit here talking to you and start shopping online right because i'm really feeling that i am connecting with you but when i'm just kind of sitting there going you know it's not even bored it's basically i'm not at peace with myself that's when i go to a website i'm like ooh i can, i just add stuff to the basket and empty it out at the end sometimes i don't empty it i end up buying it but it's such a I, you know, I, I'm a smoker. I was a smoker, and it's mm-hmm. the same feeling that that cigarette would do for me. I was, I would smoke a lot more when I was distracted, when I was not uh, relaxed with being alone with myself. So, it's very interesting you mentioned that. It's interesting. We we were all smokers. I think people of our age, at least here in Switzerland, I don't have. I basically don't have any uh, colleagues in my in my age age group that wouldn't have smoked twenty years ago, and we all stopped. But most of us. Um, but do, do you still occasionally smoke just out of curiosity? It's strange you mentioned that, you know, like I gave up cigarettes last 2021 when I got yeah. COVID in April. Oh, and, okay. And I quit for 18 months and I was uh, at a wedding about two weeks back and yeah. um, it was one of those parties and, you know, I, I, I don't really go out too often now because my wife and I have a six-month-old baby girl. Oh. And, yeah, so it's one of those things where I'm just. Thank you, thank you. It's, it's uh, as we speak today. It's our six month birthday, so we, uh, <laughs> so we're just sitting there and being parents. And this wedding was one of those things where I wouldn't say I slipped up, but I made this decision where I'm like, you know what, whether yeah. and it's, I want to get maybe it's a nice way to lead into asking you this next question, which I'm going to, um, when you give up something. Uh, mm-hmm. especially if it's a bad seen as a bad habit you're kind of you know patted on the back by people going wow you quit smoking way very, very good for you or you give up alcohol very good for you and that gives you this sense of oh you know i overcame and as you were saying when you walk past and you're thrown an offer and you say no you feel good but then that that feeling of good becomes this sense of smugness going oh i'm better than others because i gave up um smoking yeah, And I told myself anything, whether it's good or bad, if it makes you feel that you are, if it gives your ego that sense of boost, mm-hmm. I feel nothing deserves, uh, whether it's good or bad, I don't think it should be given so much value. So I, so just to answer your question, I did have a few cigarettes at that wedding and mm-hmm. it felt, it felt amazing. It felt like, oh, mm-hmm. but at the same time, my mind was fighting going, oh, you, you, you failure. How could you do this? You're mm-hmm. back to the old ways. You're mm-hmm. a loser. And so I was trying to beat that part going, why is it, why, why are you your worst critic and also your worst kind of patron right because you kind of constantly bump yourself up you constantly yeah. put yourself down so I, yeah. that's what i want to ask you like what what is that feeling that um giving up shopping or giving up buying stuff what did it do to you as a person hmm, that's that is a really really interesting question that you're raising there because you're basically yeah so, so you said you're saying we're our best patreon and we're also also our own constant critic yeah and that's that that yeah that's not that's such an interesting question because in a way you know 
I'm 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 currently writing I'm writing a novel and mm. and it's um uh there's a quite a bit of uh quite a bit of Buddhism that comes in there mm. and just plays a certain role in that or will play a certain role in that novel. So I'm 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 reading I'm reading up on 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 anything Buddhism because I didn't know a thing about it before. Mm. And uh, as far as I understand, the Buddhists are, are trying to uh, uh, um, um, uh, like detach themselves from from those feelings mm. because they know that you know strictly speaking they don't even the eye doesn't even the ego doesn't even exist yeah. if you take it to the to the to the logical conclusion there and um, and that's an interesting thought because if if there's no ego you you also you can't really it's just everything's just what it is and you can't really criticize it or 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 promote anything in yourself mm. anymore um but i'm what what i'm puzzled by and what i'm really wondering is what happens if you if you if you do that if you do that strictly then um if if you stop criticizing yourself and if you stop um uh, rewarding yourself for things that you think you did well um, if there's no sense of pride anymore, but also no no sense of shame, then then I just I just wonder what's left. I just I just wonder how that could even work. I, I think it it certainly doesn't work for me so far. Um, maybe it will one day. Who knows? But, but yeah, can we even live without without that? Aren't we just hardwired to, to yeah? What you mentioned, you know, criticizing ourselves constantly indulging in, in this and that constantly and um, isn't that and being torn between good and bad you know devil and angel on, on our shoulders and you know one side says do this and the other side side says no don't and isn't that yeah. just the human can, can we even escape that is that is that possible at all I'm, I'm really not sure i mean because you know when you talk about reading about uh buddhist philosophy or you talk about uh spiritual texts and or, you know sometimes even in that space, when you read it, I mean, this is just something I, I'm in no ways an expert. And that's another statement, right? People people also, um, because I think all this leads to what you did, but also beyond that. Because when you kind of, I feel when you kind of want to read up on a philosophical idea about yeah. existence or about love or about acceptance, right? And you kind of, escape from the reality of human existence which is um this sense of uh and let's just even compare it to shopping right when mm -hmm. you kind of approach i feel approach spirituality with the same way you approach shopping you can easily get carried away in the same thing and end up just reading up reading up without feeling any of it and become numb to the ideas that are presented there but give your sense this self this yourself this sense of importance going i've read up 50 books on yoga and meditation and buddhism and sufism therefore i am more rich as a spiritual soul but in reality you haven't felt an ounce of what you've read similarly mm -hmm. you possibly could shop the best brand you have 30 yeah. quotes from from yeah. from you have, you have all the biggest brands you have a rolex you have all the watches but you could be dead uh when it comes to feeling for those products. And I think there's a point, as a, as a point I'm trying to make is that it's how you visit all these acts, right? Whether it's mm -hmm. enjoying skiing, you could you mm -hmm. could go to the best 
ski instructors. You can have this best ski gear. You might have the best technique, but you might not feel for any of it. And similarly, yeah. you take that across with food, across with, yeah. with drinking. Now, what I'm trying to understand, and this is not more uh, so much a question, but I'm just trying to f put this in context of what I'm mm -hmm. trying to do in my life. And maybe you can talk about your uh, experience with this as well, is that whatever it may be, whether it's sitting in the morning trying to clear my mind and have a few peaceful thoughts for a minute or a few peaceful beers in the evening or a cigarette in the afternoon is where are you coming from when you indulge in that act whether it's shopping whether it's eating whether it's a good or a bad vice mm -hmm. what is your uh, what is your if you want to call it um perspective or what is your approach to this because mm -hmm. i feel that is so much more important because when you come from a place of um when you come from a place of not approaching it i wouldn't say good or bad but i'm saying when you approach it with this sense of um pleasure and pain or guilt and mm -hmm. fear or good and bad then automatically everything has this kind of this effect on you where there's a weighing scale and it either pulls you in either direction. Uh, mm -hmm. does, does, did anything I say over the past minute or so make sense? I don't know. I just it, it makes I, it makes an awful lot of sense. And it, it, it's really interesting because you're basically saying so, so the, the, why you do something matters more than what you actually do, right? Mm. The intention behind it is, is, is just as important or even more important. And I agree with that. And I, regarding what I did, you know, change my, my shopping behavior, change my lifestyle, so to say, yeah. um, I wouldn't, I would never rule out that you know, if I've, you're asking me now, what, what was the motivation behind that? What, 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 what yeah. drove that? And if I think about that, I couldn't rule out that obviously the whole experience, the whole experiment has, um, has a positive outcome it is a sensible thing to do i think yeah. i did that it, it's the it's the right thing to do i'm convinced of that but did i just do it because it's it, it'll do good so to say or was there also a part where it made me feel like you said um it makes can make you feel something like that can make you feel superior like mm. okay so i'm i'm the one now who's doing the right thing and hopefully everybody will realize too and then follow me um, so that kind of uh, feel, feeling of superiority and of moral superiority, maybe um, that's interesting. And I wouldn't rule out that this plays a role, whether I was uh, um, aware of it or not. But it, it, it probably does like this virtue signaling kind of thing, you know, mm. that that does play a role. Um, yeah. You could argue that. that, you know, we, when you quit smoking or when you quit shopping yeah. for a year, you want to be recognized. It's a human thing that someone goes, wow, Nico, yeah. you gave up shopping or come and talk about it. And, or in my case, like, oh, suddenly you give up smoking. It's such, but when, and, when you, and when it goes unnoticed, you, it, it does kind of You're, feel like a little let down, right? You're like, hey, come on, man, I've done so much. Can you, can you at least acknowledge that? So it's a very strange feeling because what, and, and I'm not saying you or me, but I'm saying what, um, but when you say, um, you know, after watching your talk, I, I, I tried not shopping for the whole of September and okay. I did pretty well. But okay. uh, my, my motivation, I don't know, was, was like, you know what, you don't need another pair of trousers or you don't need another t-shirt and mm -hmm. it was fine there but then like i might not need this and i feel very good about the fact that i haven't bought anything but i need some golf balls even though i haven't 
even though I've only been on the driving range, which provides balls, I, I still end up buying. <laughs> so what I'm, it's what is what is very crazy about this whole thing is that this need to be recognized, and a lot of people, including myself, I just said when the intention is not to be recognized, but it's to appreciate this experience. Yeah, all that is true, but there's somewhere deep inside this need to feel like you have been recognized for doing something mm -hmm. and when it's not recognized uh, or rather you know this fee this need to be recognized for not doing something like oh you didn't um you know have a meltdown and you were able to hold your own in a conversation that but why is that i mean so, so after this whole experiment of not shopping for 365 days mm -hmm. Uh, what is your attitude in, to work or to life or to anything that you do which you enjoy or sometimes you might have not enjoy but you're obliged to do? So do, do, did that 365 days change something yeah. in, your, in you? Yeah, you automatically you automatically start focusing more, more on, on experience rather than rather than material uh, material purchases, material things mm. that that happens automatically um, uh, because you're just, there's not much to enjoy in terms of new stuff that you've bought. So, so yeah. you'll end up enjoying you. I ended up spending, as I've said before, um, spending quite a bit of money on, on experiences. You could say, like, mm. if I go, if I go, go skiing now this weekend, this, this'll be an expensive weekend. Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, but it'll be an experience and, uh, I'll probably enjoy every, every minute of it. So, yeah. um, uh, and I think that. Yeah, it changes. It makes you realize what what psychology uh, has taught us for the longest time now. It is that experiences are more rewarding psychologically than than uh, than material um, purchases. And you know, it's much more important what people do you surround yourself with, what do you do with your time, um, how do you spend it? Um, uh, are you constantly driven by what? others want from you or are you like the more self leading a more self-determined way uh, way of life um you know these things uh, matter a lot and 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 i realized I, I i could clearly feel the effect of that during during that year that was definitely the case yeah yeah it sounds like you almost felt liberated and shopping and not shopping yeah. was your tool for that sense yeah. of feeling right because but i also i also realized that um I, I like to, and you're the same in that way. I'm 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 sure. Um, people like you or I, we 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 do like to sit down occasionally and think about something, and basically do nothing other than just think about something. Mm. Um, and there are people who who don't like that at all, or maybe just aren't used to it, um, mm. uh, or outright hate it, and and have to just feel compelled to distract themselves from that. Um, they they get they get anxious if there if there's you know there's this funny thing um, uh, uh, whenever somebody says oh on that day or yesterday or the last hour it was so boring I was so bored um, whenever I hear that funnily enough I all all my life I've never ever been bored like I I, I seriously and I'm not I'm not um, making this up it's I, I'm. I, I don't know the feeling of being bored. I don't know that feeling because there's there's always so many things. I mean, as we speak, there's there's like books and stuff on 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 my on my table here, and each of these things 
if I just look at it, that triggers a chain of, of, of thoughts and I'll be lost in those thoughts for, for another hour if need be. There's no, I, I don't really need that much stuff um, around me to, to, uh, to uh, have a kind of an interesting yeah, perspective on things. It's it's uh, that just happens automatically, and it's quite the opposite. I'm 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 rather I'm very easily stressed by if I'm surrounded by lots of stuff, I'm I'm easily stressed by that. And I think that's yeah. a, that's true for a lot of people, but not for all people. And I think there yeah. there are people who who don't whose brain doesn't doesn't work that way. You know, it's very interesting you mentioned that because, you know, the days I'm sitting, re- listening to an audiobook, I end up, I wouldn't call it bored, but I end up daydreaming. I end up having these thoughts of like, oh, you know, it, it could maybe use the word imagine, <clears throat> imagination or fantasize or whatever. But the days I'm on the same device, which is I listen to it on my iPad, but I'm on YouTube. I'm constantly watching, say, a golf video, which is followed by like maybe a video about a car review or maybe a new golf club review. I'm so stressed unknowingly uh, because there's this thing of, oh, you don't have it. you You need to get it. Or, oh, you know, your clubs aren't as good as the new clubs out there or whatever it may be. But for a lot of people, as you mentioned, they might not even know it's a distraction because I feel a lot of the stuff while it's the same device which has a plus and a negative. Like the, it, it, I, I could never read a book when I was growing up because my sight wasn't good enough to read large amounts of text continuously, right? So I tried, re- I remember when I was, I think, 11 or maybe earlier, I finished an entire book and it was the proudest moment. Like, it, but, but did I enjoy it? No, because it took me three mm-hmm. months to finish that damn book and it was horrible stories. <laughs> but now I'm able to read four books a week on Audible, like I'm listening mm-hmm. to audiobooks and I just mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoy it. And it could be fiction, it could be nonfiction, but mm-hmm. I I just really enjoy that experience. But for, for a lot of people, when they're on a phone or a tablet or their computer going through these TikTok reels or these YouTube shorts or these Instagram stories or whatever it may be, it is absolutely stress-inducing. It is. It is. YouTube is the worst when it comes to yeah. that. Um, the worst and the best because you have to admit, I mean, their algorithm is is brilliant. The stuff that they show yeah. me, yeah. Um, in my case, it's especially bad in the case of music. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a lot of music and I'm, I'm, I'm into this and I'm into that. And then yeah. then they, you know, uh, suggest uh, clips from, from concerts that, that I haven't seen yet. Mm. And I, I see that and I, I have to say, like, me, how can I possibly not watch that? You know, it's yeah. not, it's, I have to watch this, you know, it's right. It's, it's exactly what I, what I would be looking for if I would be actively looking for stuff. So their algorithm is brilliant and constantly shows me stuff that actually is interesting to me. Even the advertising sometimes and mm. um, gets better and better. We talked about that before, you know, um, people tend to hate ads and, and, and I do too, like everybody, but at the same time, I have to admit that today's the, the ads I'm seeing today are more interesting to me than what I used to see in the in in the nineties um, when I was walking down the the street, you know, and had the, yeah. the, the billboards left and right. So that that stuff is interesting. It's just we're just not really we have to find a way to 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 handle it because it's not. It's not a you know for the longest time if you see how our brains evolved and. Um, our brains are not used to constantly being bombarded by by new stuff and and exciting new stuff. You know, we used to live in a cave, and if 
if it was a very exciting day, maybe a mammoth walked by occasionally, mm. but that was about that was our Netflix and chill. <laughs> that was that that was our next Netflix show for that day, and we would and we would probably sit around the fire for the next month talk talking about it, you know. And you know, a strange so, thing you uh, mentioned, uh, like for instance, right? Like you you love skiing, and I'm sure you're good at it because you spend uh, time outdoors, and it comes. Sometimes, you know, some things come naturally to you. And I'm just trying to understand this conversation from like, you know, when I go uh, to a golf lesson yeah. and I'm trying to play without seeing the ball, I'm playing through feel. And of course, yeah. there are a lot of mess ups, but there are some days where it's just something clicks and it feels good. Um, yeah. And, you know, the physical experience of that golf lesson or hitting uh, two hours on the golf range, uh, on the driving range is a great feeling. And I come back home and I open the... Uh, YouTube app on my on my on my tablet and I start watching uh, say for instance how to hit long drives or how to hit um, long irons now yes you know someone would say that's good you're extending your knowledge but I feel it's not always good because it makes you it long for a perfect game it's someone else's idea of what is a good golf swing or someone else telling you what you should play like and that creates this disparity of what the reality is and what so interesting uh, you know it, it, it it's it's strange because uh i you know I, I attempted to learn the guitar last year and i would watch oh. you know i mean i'm i'm terrible at it i made peace with the fact that i don't have the discipline to practice but i i still have, i still have three <laughs> guitars sitting around me uh, and i don't know why i bought them but i was so obsessed with getting yeah. good that i would watch someone like paul davids or i forget his name i think paul davids from amsterdam he would play yeah. beautifully but of course he's put in so much work and i wasn't willing to put in that work and i'm just yeah. sitting there feeling so crap about myself that I would go to a guitar website and say, hey, you know what? Maybe if I buy this Rosewood guitar, I'll get better. <laughs> yeah. so I'm, do you know where, where I'm going with this? It's kind of this, it's that, yeah. I, 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 do see, I do exactly see where you're going, I think. And, and, it's, and, and it's, so, it's, it's so interesting what you're saying because that drive to constantly, so you're going golfing or I go skiing and, and you yeah. want to be, you want to become a better golfer or a better skier. Yeah. And the big question is why actually? I mean, as long as you enjoy it, mm. I don't necessarily have to ski any better. Um, I'm, I'm already tremendously enjoying it. So I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't need to become a better skier to enjoy it more. Um, but it, we're, we're hardwired that way. And we're, there's this ambition, this constant ambition. And that reminds me again of what I'm currently reading about about Buddhist um, um, philosophy. I just wonder, in a way, as you say, as you describe it, it's, it's kind of silly. Why, why would you even try to, to uh, uh, or why would you feel guilty if you, if you don't practice uh, your guitar playing and will never be a great guitar player? So what, you know, who, yeah. who says you need to be a great guitar player? There's, there's enough great guitar players out there. There's no need for, for another one. So why even, why, where does the ambition come from? And isn't it a silly thing? And in a way it is, but at the same time, I wonder if we totally get rid of that, if you manage to get rid of that. And it seems that some, some Buddhist, uh, people have, have have achieved that over over, over the centuries yeah. if you totally get rid of that where do you end up with are will you be just this totally sedated phlegmatic being that doesn't care about anything nothing good nothing bad everything's just what it is is that the state that you you'll end up in and 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 if if that's the case is that a good thing to happen i'm it's just 
I have I, I'm I'm a million miles away from an answer to to all to all this, but it's yeah. an interesting it's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? Yeah, you you know when you kind of view this as an outsider, just what we're talking about, um, you know there is this this thing as you and, and you as you aptly pointed out that there is this state finally where there's nothing matters, pain, sorrow, but is that something you want or I want it's, it's very it's it, and and you know yeah you use shopping or not shopping as your your kind of like your tool of curiosity mm-hmm. of what it would do to your human experience yeah and you know a lot of people do other things and if and if you notice like say some uh, some so, some sort of um, uh, older religions and I mean religion not in its kind of commercial sense but I'm saying the ancient practices um if you look at Lent or you look at uh, Ramzan yep. or Ramadan, as some yep. people call it, it's about giving up maybe food or giving up something you really cherish for a certain amount of time because clearly that enhances your human experience because when you do get back to it, you're mm-hmm. not just mindlessly consuming, whether it's food or content. But while people say religion was the downfall of man, the new religion which is... YouTube and social media is clearly doing exactly as much harm as they claim oh, that yeah. the earlier religions did. It doesn't make oh, yeah. it, you know. Does, does do you see some of that uh, those similarities coming back again? Yeah, totally, totally. And I think we're running a huge experiment here, especially with uh, with social media. You've talked mm-hmm. about this before. I think you know the uh, how these algorithms work. It's 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 it, it it certainly is no coincidence. I think there's there's by now there's ample evidence that that um, you know all the mental disorders that are on the increase um, worldwide. I think um, that's 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 no coincidence. It's that this is not healthy, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, I also uh, there are a lot of aspects about social media in particular that I think are great, mm. um, and there are stuff uh, uh, there are things. You know, if you're looking at what's happening currently in in Iran, you know, as yeah. we speak, yeah. um, that wouldn't that wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have been possible um, ten year or, or twenty years ago. Yeah, um, and, no, of and course, so that's lot- to celebrate. I mean, and I think the social media is definitely responsible for a lot of those good, um, the, the, for those events to gain momentum through connectivity and through 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 real time kind of exposure. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So the the question really is, how do we secure the the the, the gains, the upside of of that, and without being a big, becoming victims of, of 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 what's bad about it? And there's there's a lot a lot a lot about it is problematic, but a lot about it is good too. So it's kind of trying figuring out ways how to how to handle that these new tools that we're just not used to to handling. You know, it it takes it takes millions of years or. Uh, uh, for, for for a brain to to adapt to a radically new situation like speaking on, on a on a on a species level now not on yeah. an individual level um, um and so yeah um, i'm just wondering whether yeah how how we can learn to handle all, all, all that all that stuff you know nico you you uh gave up buying any non-essential stuff i mean not non-essential except food and sanitary products you gave up stuff for a year uh what was did you ever feel at some point that you're missing out on life 
And there's a second part to it is what was the reactions of people around you? Um, we can maybe take both questions or we can t- get to the second one later. Yeah, um, um, for, well, the answer to the first question is not at all. Really, I didn't. Um, as I've said before, I spent more time uh maybe for instance instead of instead of buying music um um although music buying music is not really a problem these days because they don't really buy a physical thing anymore maybe a bad example but but i used to go to more concerts for uh for instance Mm. Uh, and 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 i i i I went i went out more you know um socialized more and all of that is 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 it's just one hundred percent good. There's not there's nothing not nothing bad about that. So so did you allow yourself to spend money on going out for dinner, going out to a pub, going out to Oh uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so that's allowed. Okay, okay. That's what that, that's what that's what I would call um experiences or or buying services, so to say. If I go to a restaurant, I buy the service of that restaurant. Ah and okay, um, okay. um so and that's different from from uh, buying some new kitchen device that I don't really need, you know. Okay, okay. So so, so that's yeah, yeah. I did allow uh, did allow myself that. And your second question was how 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 did other people react uh, to this? Or um, maybe I can yeah. add another uh, sort of layer to that: is how were you? Um, how did others react to you, and how did you react to others at in that time? Um, well, there were quite there, there was quite a number of people who who said, "Oh, this is cool. I'll 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 do I'll try the same." Yeah. And um, you know, some of them did for a whole year, like I did. Others oh, nice. just for a month. Um, um, but um, there were really um, there was there was a number of people who thought, okay, I'll, I'm going to try this too, and and a lot of them successfully. So, and uh, um, there might also have been a couple because we talked about this before. You know, you're you're saying, okay, I'll I'll stop buying stuff now. So I'm I'm basically like a better human being than you. Um, because I managed to do this and you don't, and um, mm. that kind of feeling might have come up in some people too. I don't know that that didn't. Nobody said that to me, but I could imagine that it that it would. Yeah. Um, but generally, um, I I try not to not, not to preach. I still I still try not to to avoid that. You're not not to say okay, I'm doing this, and actually you would have to too. Mm. Um, but I, but just by telling the story, just by telling about people about the experiment, that was usually enough, and it, it was a good con- conversation starter. Often, if you mention that, um, lots of people are interested in these topics, and um, yeah, so I ended up talking a lot about it um, to lots of people, and most of them, I think, were kind of interested, and yeah, some of them tried it themselves. So it was a good thing. Which is really nice to hear, you know, that uh, without you forcing it down, and I think you know, that extends to beyond what you just did is because a lot of times today there is this smugness factor, right? People are like, oh, yeah. I do it, so you should. Otherwise, you're not as good as me or you're a bad human being. It's everything, right? Like when you hear people talk about climate change and energy conservation or when it comes to being a certain kind of food preference, it's almost like, oh, because you don't do it, I'm better than you. And that approach itself just puts people on the back foot. It kind of, it, people are automatically like, you know what, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the opposite because I know it's going and piss you off you know but yeah, your yeah, approach yeah. seems like it's a yeah. lot more um it's a lot more open it's a lot more non-judgmental it comes from a place of i chose to do this because it gave me a sense of um pulling back from a typical non-aware way of just buying stuff but others sort of seem to say you know what i'm going to try it as well and i think 
to take it beyond what you just did, I think it's a good approach for any human being, right? To just say, I'm going to do it because I enjoy it or I feel I benefit from it. And, you know, not going to preach. Yeah. And people usually end up following or adopting that to see how they react to it. Exactly. They're probably even more likely to adopt it if you don't, um, if you're not acting as a like a preacher trying to force mm. them into a behavior that they're not really ready for or don't want to take on. Um, it might be much better to just not quietly do it. I mean, it has to be visible somehow to have an effect on others, obviously. Mm. But um, uh, yeah, if you just modestly say, look, this is what I do, it might work for you, it may not. Um, that's probably the better approach, I guess. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, by the way, you should mention the, the, the whole climate, climate uh, discussion because yeah. there again, um, um, it's kind of encouraging. I'm not sure whether you've been following the news about the uh, the summit in Egypt um, mm -hmm. the last couple of days. Yeah, and uh, it there, there there wasn't too much good news from there, um, unfortunately. But one thing that that's that stood out or or that I read just yesterday, I think, um, it seems that a couple of of um, countries are managing now to grow their economy without. Um, uh, growing um, the output of, of greenhouse gases. Um, I think, I remember well, vaguely, I don't know much about this, but I think Vanuatu is one of those countries who's made a pledge and they're really sort of in, inconsequential yeah. when it comes to the so-called global situation because they're really small there in the East Pacific, I think, somewhere really, really sort of remote. But yeah. I, I think these kinds of, I mean, I, again, I'm not an expert on the summit or on climate change, but I feel what you are doing represents something which I'm not able to grasp with a con as a concept, but it represents a time which is coming where it's a lot more, and I spoke to someone yesterday on the podcast and he had a very nice, he's, he's a psychologist, behavioral psychologist, and he said this, which is such a, it's, it's just stayed with me. He says basically, we need to give people principles to empower themselves than concepts to categorize them by. And I feel what you have done mm -hmm. and what a small country oh. like Vanuatu is doing is yeah. exactly that, saying, you know what, we're not going to play to the victim card. We're not going to succumb yeah. to this category that you put me into, whether it's consumer, whether it's small country dependent on fossil fuels. But we are going to take these small little initiatives that are going to help us be sustain, uh, going to help us sustain ourselves as an yeah. individual or as a small country and not yeah. fall prey to these larger things which are being diagnosed by powerful people or powerful countries or powerful systems. Yeah, 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 very much so. Uh, um, that, that, that's that's exactly right. But I, I, I did think that it's encouraging, um, you know, that um, like, so, so, so as you say, some individuals, some countries even can can act as role models, so to say, without, without forcing anybody to do this or that, but just mm. leading by example, basically. And um, and it seems possible that this is happening now with, uh, yeah, in that report I read yesterday, there's a number of countries around the globe, some of them in Europe, but also in all corners of the world, that really where the economy is growing, um, but resource consumption isn't. And, mm. and so that decoupling um, is possible. It's, it's, it, it is a possible thing. It's, it's not, um, this is not fiction. This can happen if, 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 if if you go about it the right way. And I think that's very, that's very encouraging in the end. I, 
if I may, I want I wanted to ask you about one thing because you mentioned your your uh, your six month old daughter a, mm -hmm. a minute ago, and um, this is a touchy this is a touchy subject because I'm really I also have we have one daughter she's five now. Oh, lovely. Um, okay. And and um, we 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 talked about products. We talked about consuming products, physical goods. Um, one thing, obviously, that has a huge effect on the planet, or just when it comes to sustainability, um, is 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 how much how much children we have, and this yeah. is a super touchy subject. Yeah. And I have no idea where that whether that discussion uh, is happening in India, and 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 if yes, uh, what opinions are there? And, and, and it's it's just it's super interesting, and I was wondering what your thoughts on that word because whenever you mention that here it's really you have to be really careful with this um, you know it's it, so easy to upset everyone uh if, yeah. if 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 um if they come from a place of wanting being want, wanting to be offended or upset then they will be whether whether you're talking about yeah. uh, climate god children whatever right so i'm i i was absolutely thinking about the impact because when you have a child, you aren't just having a child. The child is going to grow up and have certain behaviors and influence other people's behaviors and is also going to grow up to, to be in, a, in an environment which you have no control over in uh, the future. Yeah. So it's a responsibility more than just a worry, right? Because one is, are you having another child who's going to be a burden on the planet and society? Or yeah. are you going to have a child who you are responsible for and to responsible for ensuring that that child's going to have a safe uh, future to to live and thrive in, right? So there are a bunch of questions there. But, I, you know, the, the thing in India is that it's politicized, right? People always say it's the poor people who are illiterate, you know, they're going to have kids. But it's it's some people would say it's a certain religion, like Muslims have too many kids, or some people say Christians, some yeah. people say Hindus. It's very, and it's the same place where you came from when or we, we spoke about is when it's when you're pointing fingers, it's so easy to point it away from yourself and to say it's someone else's problem. Um, mm. And I know people who are educated, so-called really sort of privileged from our, uh, upper middle class or upper yeah. class of society who are like, oh no, it's the poor people. And they end up getting IVF and having four kids. And <laughs> it's 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 the same thing. It's it, None of these things are going to get solved if you are coming from a place of looking at someone else as the problem for the for the for the, for the um, or someone as the cause for the problem. If you look at yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to have a child because I think that's something I or my family or my, my partner or my wife and I want, you are going to do as much as you can to give that child uh, and also the, 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 the process thought uh, before you have uh, or take a decision like that. But if it becomes a thing of proving a point or blaming mm -hmm. someone else, then mm -hmm. we're going to have more and more people manipulating that situation and then, you know, using that situation to sort of further their agenda. And it's just going to get worse and worse, which is what's happening in India right now, because there's no, uh, absolutely no conversation around population control in our country right now. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. As far as I know. I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you would know. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, as, as far as I know, I don't think so. I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there are a few people doing great work, uh, but the moment it becomes policy or becomes on a governance scale, then it starts being, oh, you're doing this because you're trying to, um, you know, you're trying to reduce a certain group of people or be it becomes very sort of, um, it becomes a fighting sort of, 
conversation where mm-hmm. it becomes religious, it becomes classist, it becomes all these things where one group tries to just sort of thing, and at the end of the day, uh, at the end of that conversation, nothing is actually solved. But there are few people who are aware of the problem, and I, I, I don't want to come across as someone ignorant in this because this is from my personal experience. I'm not a policymaker, but I think this is an this is a thing which I don't think any government can enforce but i feel what we've spoken about where it's an individual's decision if that increases and that empowerment happens i feel we will see change only in that in that context not mm-hmm. from the outside in but from the inside out yeah 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 that's probably that's probably got exactly uh, yeah i think you're right there um it has to happen like that you can't really you can't really force it yeah yeah because then it's going to be used by others to kind of you know wave fan the flame so to speak yeah 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 exactly so and you know there are examples that if you look just uh, um across the border from india to to china um, and yeah. that doesn't work that doesn't seem to work very well either if you just yeah. uh uh yeah the one time i mean it, it ends up be, it, i think those kind of measures end up seeing the darker side of humanity where you kind of things like eugenics things like you know oh, yeah. male preference for the male child and those kind of exactly. horrific things which are of course mm, we've seen history shown us not the best no solution. they're not they're not the best recipe <laughs> for a peaceful for a peaceful world yeah that's true that is true yeah. very true you know nico it's been a fantastically enlightening conversation and it's Thank been you, a pleasure getting to know you but i want to highlight one thing which i really really find endearing and fun and something that resonates with me uh when i read your about me section on the website it said uh, i i'm going to i'm going to quote you on this but it said love to read during the day to write during the night ski and drink and i think that's something i love doing as well i think you specify that's red wine for me it's beer and you ski i play golf and i think it really struck a chord with me i do like beer too yeah you know oh fantastic so we can yeah. hang out i'll bring my golf clubs to the ski slope and you can bring your skis to the golf course <laughs> yeah yeah are you are you are you are you traveling a lot these days probably not not so yet long. not yet yeah mainly yeah. staying in bangalore uh but i hope to travel in the next year or two because uh a few people and i are trying to introduce this concept called blind golf to india where it's people with varying levels of visual uh vision or oh, visual cool. impairment yeah. can play so if that happens and we do sort of sync the indian blind golf chapter with the international blind golf chapter then we might travel and if that's the case then i'll definitely uh you know go play golf and not to win or to compete but just to play golf around the world and take my wife yeah. and take my little girl with us so hopefully one of those stops is in Switzerland in the near future yeah that would be that would be very cool it would be so nice yeah. to meet you yeah and, no, and also, definitely i might make a trip because as i said i have family there and yeah. uh if i do make that trip i will reach out to you and oh yes yeah please do please do and i'll do the same i still when india is one of the countries that i desperately want to visit and never got to it well you have a, you have a friend and you have uh, someone to show you around over here yeah It'll so great there. yeah it's a real pleasure thank you so much sandeep yeah thank really, you nico it's been a pleasure really cool. get, uh, talking to you and uh, good luck with uh, all your future projects and work and same to have you. fun same to you thank you take care you too
Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.